When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Oh, the hypocrisy is alive and well, but not here on Canny and Carlin. We keep it a buck 24-7. You don't have Canny, you don't have Carlin, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Jordan Cornette with you on this Tuesday afternoon, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on Twitter, my handle at Courtney R. Cronin, Jordan's at Jordan Cornette. You can also tap in on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. 3776. Mandatory mini camps have begun for nine NFL teams. We're going to take a look at the top quarterbacks in the AFC and tell you who won't be making the playoffs and also whether the Heat have found the formula to beat the Denver Nuggets after tying up the NBA Finals 1 1 apiece. But we start, Jordan, with the biggest news of the day coming out of the golf world that the PGA Tour, Live Golf, and the DP World Tour, formerly known as the European Tour, are all unifying, quote, under one umbrella. And I got to say, I was running an errand this morning, and when I saw a Twitter alert pop up on my phone from ESPN and then a slew of tweets from people reacting to this news in real time, I just smiled and laughed to myself thinking – The PGA Tour had no reason to do this. They were winning every single battle in court. No one was watching live golf, and they were losing steam. The whole idea that started just about a year ago right now, that live golf was going to be giving these big purses and changing the landscape of golf and giving players another opportunity, albeit under the umbrella of the Saudi of the Saudi Arabia and their international fund, which of course brought up the idea of human rights violations, so on and so forth. But now these two and the DP World Tour are apparently under one umbrella. And after all of the comments, the strongly worded comments from Jay Monahan, who is the head of the PGA and players alike, they're now all of a sudden backtracking and saying, let's all let bygones be bygones. And that's, you know, putting it lightly and let's all get under the same umbrella. It never made sense to me. Courtney, I I wish I could provide answers on how exactly this makes sense to anybody. Uh, I found out, much like, unfortunately, many of the actual PGA players who showed loyalty, I found out on my Twitter timeline. And, Courtney, what I had to do in this new age of Twitter, which is its own mess, story for another time, I needed to check to make sure the handles in which I was gathering this information weren't fake, weren't Fugazi accounts. I needed to make sure this was actually real. Turns out, clearly, as we discuss it now, we know for certain it is. So many questions that I have, but I start with one thing that I do know for certain, Courtney, that we both can agree upon here. Cream. Cash rules everything around me. The impetus for this whole thing came down to money. People sold their souls. People got up on soapboxes, said different things, tried to talk down at others, condemn others, but at the end of the day, they're all in the same, swimming in the same waters here. Eliminate the judgment because they're all doing it for money reasons. But my biggest questions, Courtney, are why, like you laid out, why now from the PGA? Was there an extreme 
desire to prevent anything coming out in litigation? Was there another big name that you had floated out? Maybe another big name speculating could have been moving over to live that would have just hemorrhaged more money from the PGA? Why now? I then look at guys like Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you look one of your stars in the face who shunned all that money? Not only that, but went to bat for you as an organization, as an association, and said, "How dare these guys?" He was the good soldier. He said goodbye to all this money. How do you make it right with Rory? I imagine now that they're swimming in money, he will get that. And then the last thing, Courtney, that I have to look at: How can Jay Monahan? be the leader of the PGA another day after this when you've had the biggest about face pivot that we've ever seen in sport it's hard to believe it was one year ago today I'm going to pull this quote for you because we don't have clearance on the audio yet but I want I listened back to it with Jay Monahan speaking with Jim Nance of CBS about why players kind of like condemning players for leaving the PGA tour to go to live, to money chase, more or less. And at that point, this was June 6, 2022, Jay Monahan had brought up, speaking about how players going to live golf should check their morals and think about the families impacted by the 9-11 terrorist attacks and many others who have spoken out against the Saudi-funded league. His quote was, I think you have to be living under a rock to not know There are significant implications as it relates to the families of 9-11. I have two families that are close to me and lost loved ones, so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? That is a direct quote from the commissioner of the PGA, Jay Monahan, who very well may not be the commissioner much longer. If you're taking a look at how this whole thing is unfolding in, in the news world and on social media, Media. There are a lot of people who are not happy about the way that Jay Monahan has handled this. We've got plenty of expert analysis coming to you over the course of the next couple hours right here on ESPN Radio. Those who cover the golf world, those who are involved in it at, at large, going to weigh in on the PGA merging with Live Golf and the DP World Tour and why all of this is happening right now. Now, here's the thing that I think stands out to me the most. When, Jordan, you're talking about money, money talks and, and the amount of it that was involved, not only from the purses that live golfers were receiving and why so many were lured away from the PGA Tour. This deal is going to end all pending litigation between the three parties. We know there have been a number of different lawsuits levied against the PGA Tour, most recently by by the Live Golf Association, and there was that antitrust lawsuit that was a really big blow to live golf because because of the situation that they were facing in trying to take down the PGA. You'll remember, as of a month ago, though, the Live Golf 11, the 11 players, a lawsuit that was started by Phil Mickelson, who was one of the big early names who left the PGA Tour to go to live golf and then sued the PGA Tour effectively for loss of wages. That lawsuit... As of right now, down to zero golfers. Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Jones were the last players to have their names in that lawsuit between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. And now no others are part of that. We never really got any sort of reasoning other than the canned line that came from the agents of these golfers and some of the golfers themselves. I believe it was Matt Jones who said, I didn't really have any reason to do it. They just want to quote-unquote focus on golf, which leads you to believe Did these players know that this merger was going to happen? 
because why else drop the lawsuit when you're trying to recoup lost wages or what you believe are lost wages from from the PGA Tour after bolting to for Live Golf? I, I just as we talk about this whole thing, Courtney, like it's just on a on a bigger scale. You you just look at everything we know about sports, and you know on these shows. What, what, we cover collegiate athletics as well. We talk about, you know, mergers of conferences and, and different things. And as I sit here today, as we look at the layout of this with Liv and PGA, and one thing being said and another entirely being pivoted and, and, and happening here, I don't think there's anything safe to trust in terms of the construct of sport at this point. And I'm not being all doomsday here. My greater point is this. If you're going to inevitably – be shifted by money, and you know that's always a possibility in how you maneuver, you can't sit up there on a soapbox and say certain things and judge certain people only to turn and do the same very things. And at the end of the day, we can never sit here as media, as fans, and be surprised by literally any of it. You know who another big winner is in all of this? It would have to be a guy like Rory McIlroy when everybody says, oh, it's tough to be him. I'll look at it the other way. Rory stood there, said, I don't believe in this, steadfastly to the day the news came out, was a guy that didn't sacrifice what his morals were, stood by with both words and action, and I do believe now he'll be rewarded while still being able to look in the mirror. He's one of the few in this circumstance that can sit in that position because he never wavered in what he stood for. It's Courtney Cronin. That's Jordan Cornette. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Let's tap in now with Mark Schlebaugh. He covers golf as an ESPN senior writer. And, and Mark, I just want to start with the very basics of this. When you hear this news come out today, your reaction is what? Uh, I've been surprised a bunch, but this was by far the most surprising development in my career, probably. I told somebody this morning, if you had told me Nick Saban had switched schools and was coaching for Auburn, I would have been less surprised. (laughs) I mean, Mark, you heard me just mention a guy like Rory here. How do you do right by a guy like that who was your loyal good soldier, who was the biggest advocate for being pro-PGA and said, you know, these guys who are leaving, for all these reasons, it's wrong. How do you do right by a guy like that who now has to swallow a pretty tough pill? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's the most upset today. A guy like Rory who, you know, stood up there and was a loyal soldier and said all the right things and really went to bat for the PGA Tour over the last two years, or a guy like Hideki Matsuyama who turned down hundreds of millions of dollars to not go to live golf, and now the PGA Tour is going to take billions of dollars from the uh, public investment fund. So there's just there's a lot of shock, uh, a lot of questions. I've talked to several players today. None of them knew this was coming down. Uh, players on the player advisory committee did not know this was coming down. This seemed to be a a pretty big autonomous decision by Jay Monahan and a couple members of his policy board. But uh, he's going to meet with players in Toronto in less than an hour at 4 p.m. Eastern time when they're playing the RBC Canadian Open this week. And that is going to be a, uh, a pretty tough room for him, I'm sure. Mark Schlebaugh, ESPN senior writer, joins Courtney Cronin and Jordan Cornette here on Canty and Carlin. The why behind this in the hours after the announcement, I, I know, is one we're trying to figure out. And surely the answer comes down to money. But is this not the PGA Tour throwing a life raft to live golf when the PGA was winning battles in courts? Ratings for these live events were really, 
really low. There was such little interest in actually watching that golf tour. And if anything, like you would, we heard more rumors about live players trying to get out of live to return to the PGA tour and, and no talks of a merger. I, I just, I can't wrap my head around why the PGA would make this sort of decision when it felt like by and large, they had the upper hand over the last year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's look at the bottom line is money. Uh, PIF is not only going to invest in this new venture with the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, they're going to be a premier corporate sponsor for the PGA Tour. Um, you know, the governor of the of the Sovereign Wealth Fund has said they're going to pump billions into it over the next few years. So, you know, it comes down to money, like a lot of stuff in society and sports today. And, um, you know, this is, again, Monaghan's going to have to to, to to answer some difficult questions. I do know that the PGA Tour and, and Live Golf and, and PIF have spent tens of millions of dollars in legal fees over the last 18 months, you know, to a year or a year of fighting uh, discovery in, the, in several federal lawsuits. Um, and that was about to, to be extended because the Ninth Circuit in California uh, basically took on the, the appeal by PIF and Al Rumian to, to fight discovery. And, you know, it was just going to drag on and on and nobody wants to spend a hundred or $150 million in legal fees. Mark simplistic in form, but dynamic, most likely an answer. Uh, but when we hear merger, what does uh, the future now look like with something like this? Yeah, it, it was really confusing the way it was worded in the original statement. And I actually had somebody from the PGA Tour telling me, well, it's really not a merger. And I'm like, well, it says merger in your headline, dude. <laughs> so tell me. You know, um, I would, so, you know, I think a good analogy would be when Kraft Foods and Heinz combined and merged, Kraft didn't become Kraft ketchup. You know, it, it was still Heinz ketchup and it was still Kraft macaroni and cheese, but there's just going to be one big umbrella over all three entities. Uh, they're going to control most of the or nearly all of the commercial aspects, whether it's television rights, um, you know, products, whatever. And then the PGA Tour is still is still going to exist as a nonprofit that handles um, charitable contributions and pensions for the players and those sort of things. But from what I've been told by people at the PGA Tour, Going forward, the PGA Tour is still going to exist as the PGA Tour. They're still going to have designated events. They're going to have their own schedule. Uh, Live Golf is going to finish out the second half of its schedule this year. There's still seven events left. And then at that point, I think the DP World Tour, PGA, Piff, and Live are going to sit down and, and decide whether or not Live is a viable product moving forward because the Saudis have already dumped more than $2 billion into the venture and you know, it was in court records earlier this year that we obtained that their lawyers are saying that their revenues are virtually nothing. Mark, I know you said that Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA, is going to be meeting with with golfers later this afternoon uh, ahead of their, their weekend match. Just talk about what this whole situation entails for them, answer a lot of these questions. Jordan and I have been talking about it, just the the level of hypocrisy that comes from Monahan himself one year ago today saying how he doesn't know how players can go to live golf after knowing the implications of that on the families from 9/11 victims all these things it, can he is he fit to lead 
the PGA going forward, or is this going to be something that could potentially be his downfall and, and put him in, in a position where he is no longer in his role with the PGA? That's a good question. I mean, it, look, it's, it's going to be really difficult for him to walk back the comments he made about the source of the of the money funding Live Golf and the Saudi monarchy's history of human rights violations and their alleged role or role in 9-11. Um, you know, the families of the 9-11 victims have already put out a, a pretty tersely worded uh, statement condemning the decision. Uh, he had families up to the Travelers in Connecticut and some other tournaments last year. Um, so they're understandably very upset with it, and there are a lot of players that are upset about it as well. Mark, as always, really great stuff here. I know this is a developing situation, and we will be learning more in the coming hours and days. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks for having me. That's ESPN senior writer Mark Schlebaugh all over the Live and Live Golf and PGA merger, which we are just finding out about today. We are trying to sort through it in real time, just as you, the listener, are. We want to hear from you. Weigh in on what this means for golf going forward and how you feel about the Live and PGA merger that we found out about on Tuesday morning. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Coming up next, are you in favor of this merger? Do you have a problem with it? We're also going to get into what's going on in mini camps across the NFL, some of the biggest storylines coming out from the nine teams that are taking care of mandatory mini camps starting today. That's coming up next after Jordan has this word from FanDuel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com that's right make a fast break to FanDuel during the nba playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars visit fanduel.com slash play and get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the nba this is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. 
the big breaking news after over a year in court that now there's going to be a merger. The DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour all coming together. Live Golf and the PGA Tour were Auburn and Alabama. They were the Yankees and the Red Sox, and now they're strange bedfellows. This merger, this marriage, it's great for the sport, the right thing to do. There are a lot of people, players and members, upset about how this went down, that they were kept in the dark about it. Plenty more to get into regarding the merger of the PGA Tour and Live Golf here on Canty and Carlin. Triple Eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Kyler in Minnesota, Ray in Kentucky, Ross in Bel Air, Chris in Connecticut. I see you on the line. Stay there. Hang tight. We're going to get to you in just a little bit, but right now, Courtney Cronin and Jordan Cornette switching gears to the NFL. Minicamp has begun for nine teams today. We're going to take a look at all things that have to deal with the Cowboys, the Browns, the Lions, the Raiders with our good friend Marcus Spears, ESPN NFL analyst. And Swagoo, before we get into that, I wanted to bring up the story about the NFL investigating yet another player for possible allegations of illegal sports betting, and that's the Colts running back Isaiah Rogers. I know the statement that he ended up putting out yesterday, acknowledging he made an error in his judgment. As I look at this whole issue, though, of sports wagering from NFL players themselves, going back to the first instances we saw about a month ago, is this just the tip of the iceberg, you think, of, of more players who will eventually end up finding their names part of uh, the bad part of the news cycle? Yeah, I believe so, Courtney. And I, I think it's – I also believe that later on down the road it's a course correction, right? Like, you know, I remember being here at ESPN when all of the – early when I started at SEC Network and the gambling and the betting and the stuff came into question and what would it lead to, what would it get to. You could bet in stadiums now. So I think a lot of these guys are just in the midst of a of a evolving, changing thing. And obviously – you we've known for a long time and athletes have known you can't bet on games. You can't bet especially the leagues that you play in, but it's also it's just now it's inundated. Now it's it's part of the fabric of every sport. It's every day. Uh, partnerships are being formed with leagues and, and networks and all of those things. So I, I do believe it's the tip of the iceberg with finding out who's betting, but I also believe that there's a course correction to come down the line. I don't know if that's um, – I don't know if it's it's obviously the awareness from these guys putting in policies and, and helping these guys understand more about, like, what what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot be a part of. I think it's a lot of, like, not gray area because the betting is a hard line, but I think with, with how it has become a part of everyday sports, I think you got to kind of refocus and reshift on how you talk about it with these athletes. And this is not absolving those guys of betting. And, and you've always known that it's this play, even when I played in the league, before betting was a, was even a thing that was a part of it, you knew that you weren't supposed to bet on games. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the constant flow of it and how much of the fabric it is now with sports. And that's something that we didn't have to deal with when I played, and that's an athlete. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an ever-evolving atmosphere, no question. Brother Marcus, it's good to talk to you again, man. It's been a minute. Uh, mini camps underway <laughs> here, and one of those mini camps is uh, a team that I feel like gets lost in a sauce there in the NFC East because it's a loaded East. There's some fascinating storylines with the Commanders. Chase Young is 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 there at camp. Uh, his health with his knee is a big question, but a bigger question, I believe, is a guy I spent time covering in the ACC, and that's Sam Howe. Ron Rivera reiterated that while right now Howe's QB1, he believes there's a competition between Sam Howe and Jacoby Brissett. How do you view the ability for Sam Howe to lead those commanders and make them dangerous in that division? Jordan, I was nervous, to be honest with you, man. And you cover Sam Howe at NC, and I know he had a lot of hype and, and during when, when he was playing and making some electric, electric plays, but I just, you, you just never know. I mean, we can act like, as analysts, we know what Sam Howe is going to be we don't. What we think is is that the Washington Commanders got to get this quarterback situation figured out and find some consistency. And I think that's where they lean. They they're trying to find their young quarterback that they feel like they can win with, so they can start building those pieces as a franchise. I'm a huge Jacoby Brissett fan. Just I'm I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of the man that he is. But even as a player, like I think he. You know, he's always finding himself in these situations where he's a he's a stopgap or a placeholder for a lot of guys. I believe he's going to push Sam Howell, if not take over the starting position. But with, with that said, the commanders are now new ownership. It's going to be hopefully a new vibe and a new um, era um, when it comes to the football decision-making, finding the right type of players to put in those situations. But when it comes to Sam Howell, man, I'm, if anybody knows me, I'm always patient with quarterbacks, whether they take it first overall or whether they guys that's taken late and, and think they're going to be good. Jacoby Brissett is a known commodity. You know you can win games with him. You know he can play at a high level. But you also want to find that franchise guy to push you forward. And if they believe that Sam Howell, hopefully they give him a shot to try to figure that out. Marcus Spears, ESPN NFL analyst, joins Courtney Cronin and Jordan Cornette here on Canty and Carlin. Jacoby Brissett's former team, the Cleveland Browns, are also one of the groups starting mandatory minicamp this week. They will wrap up and then have their six weeks till training camp starts. And it got me thinking about what's going to be the most more impactful thing to get this 7-10 and 10 Cleveland Browns team on, on the right side of the AFC North. Is it Deshaun Watson and that offense finally coming together? I know he had the long suspension last year, never really got into a rhythm. Or is it this new defense under Jim Schwartz? That you expect to to really take things and make it and make you know make this unit gel more than they did last year. I mean, for as much talent as they have from top to bottom, and of course we talk about uh, Miles Garrett. I mean, they're they're tw- bottom twenty in in sacks and interceptions yeah. and in all of the important key defensive stats. Wh- which is the more important unit you think this year? Defensively, um, obviously, if, if Deshaun is good, the offense will be fine. If he returns the form, they'll be higher level than they thought they were. Um, but he's surrounded by a lot of really good players as well and a run game and a really good offensive line. So we expect them to at least play uh, solid. It's this defense. I thought Darius Smith coming over was a huge get for them, somebody opposite of Miles. Jadavian Clowney was a great pressure guy, but he didn't finish. Darius finishes. He gets sacked at a high, high rate. We know what Miles is. This defense, one injury was a problem for him last year. 
But just just kind of to your point, Courtney, out of sync. What is the what is the what is the identity? Uh, is it physical? Is it a turnover-driven defense? Is it um, is it a is it a defense where you put Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom out there and say y'all play man, and Jim Schwartz gets creative with blitzes and trying to create pressure? That is what I'm I'm enamored to see. But outside of that, to your point, a lot of talent just never has come together. So obviously, you point to coaching. That's why changes were made. And I'm going to say this as well. Like, as much as the defense is, it should be the focus as far as the team getting better. Um, Kevin Stefanski got to gotta do some work this year as well. This, this offense has to be really good. I believe all these coaches are kind of on, on, on borrowed time, mm-hmm. um, except Schwartz, but he'll get caught up in the wash potentially if, a new, if it's a new head coach appointed. So I'm just interested to see, one, the production of, De- uh, of Deshaun will obviously lend itself to Kevin Stefanski either staying or going. And then defensively, they just got to get better and, and stay healthy. That's a big deal for them as well. All right, 23 more teams will join what the Browns are doing this week along with the nine others with mandatory minicamp and then the much-awaited break until training camp begins. About six weeks there for the NFL teams to take a beat before we get into camp mode. Marcus Spears always in camp mode here with us on Canty and Carlin. Swagoo, appreciate the time. Thanks so much as always. Thanks, Marcus. All right, family. Y'all take care. That's ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears. Candy and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance by visiting Progressive.com. Straight ahead, we get back into the news of the day. The Live Golf and PGA Golf merger. Merger, using that in air quotes right now because we don't exactly know what that exactly means. But we want you to weigh in on this news. Are you in favor of it? Do you have a problem with this? What does this mean for the future of golf? Phone lines are open. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. The DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour, all coming together. The board of directors will include Yasser al Rumayan as its chairman. al Rumayan is the governor of Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund. And it was Saudi Arabia's financial connection to the Live Tour that was the genesis of much of the controversy surrounding it. It's a year ago this week that Jay Monahan went on television and said, what message would he deliver to his membership? It was, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Big news in the golf world, Live Golf and the PGA Tour are joining forces. This came out earlier today, and it leaves us here on Canty and Carlin trying to sort out what this all means and what the heck a merger actually looks like. Courtney Cronin, Jordan Cornette, 
Sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. And earlier on the show, we had Mark Schlebaugh, one of the most respected reporters that I know, certainly one of the most plugged-in reporters in the world of golf, ESPN senior writer. I asked him this question about what, like, I asked him just about the the situation with Live Golf and PGA Tour. We're going to get that sound momentarily. It looks like we've got it. This is what he had to say when I asked him how surprised he was at the news that came out on Tuesday. I've been surprised a bunch, but this was by far the most surprising development in my career, probably. I told somebody this morning, if you had told me Nick Saban had switched schools and was coaching for Auburn, I would have been less surprised. Okay. Uh, I know that I felt similar. I didn't really think of the Nick Saban, uh, Auburn, Alabama switcheroo there, Jordan. But when I saw that thing come through my phone, my ESPN alert, I just couldn't believe how far we've come in the last year. And and frankly, the full circle nature of this after the PGA Tour was so staunchly against wanting anything to do with Live Golf. And clearly the the metaphor made by Mark truly tells the story and why his surprise is like so many of us is because of the strong rhetoric used from Jay Monahan. For, 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 for Monahan to come out here and say, this is what truly, honestly angers me, Courtney, about the situation. The hypocrisy, of course. The complete pivot about face change, of course. But the, the rhetoric I'm talking about is Jay Monahan set up there with Jim Nance, I believe, in this past calendar year and made reference to his neighbors being 9-11 families, being able to look them in the face and how these guys, these golfers who left for live would have to answer to that and how they would never have to defend any of his golfers defend playing in the PGA. Well, let me say this. They now do have to defend themselves playing in the PGA because their leader used 9-11 families as a bargaining chip. That, to me, is disgraceful. I, I, I can maybe swallow a lot of different pills here from Jay Monahan if he wants to reference and be a hypocrite by, you know, lambasting these guys who've left for live in different reasons. But he played this, now I'm going to call card, about 9-11 families and his relationships with them and how he can never do it because of that, only to turn pivot and do the exact thing. When you throw that part in there, that's what's unsettling for me. People are hypocrites. People say one thing and do another all the time. I'm not going to sit back here on my soapbox and act like I'm perfect, but that part to me, Courtney, when you go back and listen to some of that sound from Jay Monahan, that is difficult. That I have a true problem with. 9-11 Families United, which is the coalition of families and survivors of the September 11th terrorist attacks, they've put out a statement, quote, shocked and deeply offended by the PGA's PGA Tours merger with Saudi-backed Live Golf. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. John in New York, you're on Canty and Carlin. Weigh in here. Were you surprised when you heard this news this morning? No, not at all. You know, uh, for twenty years we've been seeing a lot of virtue signaling around nine eleven and around people's. Uh, uh, tragedy and around their grief, but we've seen very, very little authentic regard for these people. So on the one hand, we have a regime that has been murdering journalists in Khashoggi all the way to 9-11. On the other hand, we have politicians and leaders that have used this for virtue signaling for many years. 
And not only am I not shocked that this occurred, but I'm shocked that the outrage people have, because when it comes down to it, this country is just about money. And when it's about money, if you ask anybody who calls with outrage, whether they have divested in their stock portfolios or their mutual funds, or if they even just decide, I'm not going to buy Saudi gas today, nobody will say that they're making those decisions. So yes, these people should not be in partnership with the PGA for all the reasons that the grieving families say. But am I shocked at the American ignorance and false and misplaced uh, hypocrisy about this? Absolutely not. It's been cultivated for 20 years. And now that we're seeing it in sports, all of the sudden, the outrage is there. It should have been here all along in many different ways. It should have crossed across political book boundaries. But instead, it was used as a tool, just like it was by the head of PGA. John, great stuff. Appreciate the call. That was really well worded, too. I think that a lot of us have those same sorts of sentiments. And when the answer as to why this whole thing is happening, why there's a merger now, one year after the PGA Tour was so staunchly opposed to joining forces with Live Golf for all of the reasons that we've spoken about, specifically when it comes to those 9-11 families, and if the answer surely just comes down to money, it feels so hollow and just really cheapens the whole process of, of the grief that people have gone through and just the human rights atrocities that we have talked about uh, in regards to this. Going to stay on this topic throughout the remainder of the show. Plenty more to get into here. But coming up next, turning gears to Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin Podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.